0: You know, in Spain, I, I studied English for 15 years through primary school, high school, college, hmm. and I could pass a grammar exam. I, I, I did pass English, uh, all the courses, but I just couldn't speak the language. Hmm. And it wasn't until I started watching the MBA in English that I actually acquired. <laughs> and of course, just like you, I, I realized afterwards, once I started reading, crashing and so on, I really oh so that was the thing that actually helped me out, right? Um, Hi, Len.
1: Hi, Alvaro.
0: And welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you for inviting me on your podcast.
0: It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. And yeah, so let's let's get started with you know just tell us a little bit about yourself about your experience with languages you know both as a language student yourself language teacher content creator whatever comes to your mind
1: all right (laughs) it's a long journey
0: okay good
1: (laughs) um i started learning languages when i was fairly young but my i think the most interesting experience that i had as a language learner was when i moved to china And at that point, I already spoke French, English, and Spanish. But I tried to learn Chinese Mandarin before going, and it was impossible for many reasons. And I just thought either I learn it when I'm there on the spot, or I'm just not going to learn it. And it's okay, it's hard. Mm-hmm nine months after arriving in shanghai i wrote a little book for the newcomers who were arriving in shanghai with the basics of the language and how to get by how to get around in a taxi how to order at the restaurant so it took me nine months of immersion in a nice context people were nice and i was able to communicate in chinese
0: Cool. And so this is, is- Sorry. No, did you write that in Chinese? or what? You no, 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 ah, okay, okay, no. No, okay. no, sorry, sorry.
1: No, the, the guide was like Shanghai 101, I think. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I, I never used it much, but I was able to do that. And there was no studying. There was, I didn't use anything. I didn't use the internet. All I did was go out and talk to people at the restaurants, at the convenience stores, uh, taxi drivers a few friends i had a chinese teacher at one point but she didn't teach me much like the grammar is not very useful when you're in immersion you want to understand what people are actually saying Mm -hmm. Um, and people were really nice they were curious about us they were very open so that helped with the effective filter (laughs) and when we would say one or two words of chinese they were like oh Oh, your Chinese is so good. They were so happy, so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is exactly what you want to do. Not, oh, your pronunciation is not good. And the fact also that Chinese grammar is really nice and simple. Okay. For beginners, I don't know the higher levels, but as a beginner, it's simpler than English grammar. Same simple, logical <laughs> word order, no articles, no masculine, feminine. Barely any verb conjugations, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, this is the other thing that made it easy for us to pick up Chinese very quickly. So, that's amazing. Compare that with Korean. I never really learned much Korean, so I can read, I can understand a lot of things, I can order at the restaurant. But living in Korea, the experience is completely different because people are shy, they're reserved with strangers, they don't. normally interact with people they don't know and they don't expect you to know korean and if you speak a little they assume you're completely fluent and then it's just like i don't understand anything right right so because of the culture and because of the grammar and pronunciation that are so much more complicated than chinese i never really acquired korean
0: right yeah and i guess it's it's hard when when you're starting pretty much from scratch right and you're not getting the help you need, right? And and yes, as you were saying that you you wasn't you weren't using the internet, so you didn't have you know the new YouTube channels that are coming up with you know yeah. the the tell stories or they talk about the culture of the countries to sort of mm. get you started and mm. be able to get to a point in which you can start understanding what's going on in the real world, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I'm kind of lazy that way. I want to get good CI. I would love to have <laughs> very nice, very enjoyable, easy to understand content in mm-hmm. the languages I'm interested in learning. Right. I feel that I would learn so fast, but I live in Bulgaria. Yeah. The Bulgarian pod 101 is somebody speaking English with a couple of sentences that I already know. I don't have time for that. Right. I want the content that I find in the language I want to learn. That's the whole point. I want to understand mm-hmm. people speaking.
0: Mm-hmm. And in that sense, I, I have a couple more questions about everything you talked about, but I'm just um, curious about Bulgarian that you're talking about. Because there's something I've been thinking about recently. How about finding someone who wants to learn French or English from Bulgaria? And educating them on ci and things like that right
1: <laughs> yeah i did try that at some point but then we just ran out of time and covid happened and that just but that person actually started creating videos in bulgarian oh. a bit like my french presso videos short one minute videos where he's just talking about what's going on the baby the baby cats there were what's in the park and it was amazing but yeah and it was a bit too advanced for me but it's fine because he did like i do he put the english and bulgarian subtitles so reading the english i was able to understand what was going on because i have enough vocabulary so that was really awesome
0: okay but when you're when you're uh, reading the subtitles in english Are you really understanding the Bulgarian part or are you understanding the English? So you understand the message because of the English subtitles and you're not really soaking in. Uh,
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. I understand what you mean. So it is a bit too difficult for me. But the the English subtitles help me bridge the gap and understand. So with enough content like this, I would be able to learn because I know like. Uh, he says this is a park bench next to the bench there's a trash can these are words that I've been exposed to but I don't know them but listening to this I could understand those words but I was missing the connectors next to the Mm -hmm. I don't know those words I haven't learned them but with the English it's like okay that's what he's saying so it is comprehensible because I know what he's saying so it's not ideal ideally it would be Baby Bulgarian, yeah, I understand every single word, but in the real world, things are not perfect, right. so you have to adjust.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, I understand, I understand, and it's it's not a language with a lot of resources out there, right? So yeah, because mm. if it's English, French, Spanish, even German, Russian, you might be able to find yeah. someone who goes about it the same way, but yeah. makes it comprehensible enough so you don't need the the. T- a uh, native language subtitles, English in this case. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But what you were saying about finding a language partner uh, and training them to use the CI methods. <laughs> that's interesting because once when I was still living in Korea and trying to learn Korean, I was looking for a CI teacher, TPRS, whatever. And I found a blog of someone who did exactly that. Okay. <laughs> they trained a Korean teacher to teach them with stories. Uh-huh. And I contacted her and I started classes and it was amazing, but then we moved out of Korea to come to Bulgaria. <laughs>
0: you gotta go online now (laughs) yeah
1: but yeah that was online she she's in the US Ah, but that was awesome because like Bulgarian I have all this vocabulary but I can't connect it because I haven't been exposed to the language as it is spoken Mm -hmm. in a way that I can understand but with the story we could see what was going on it's like yeah I know the word for jump I know the word for run now she's using them in context and I can follow the story Mm -hmm. It's
0: How amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it is. How about trying some Facebook groups for CI teachers trying to ask if there's anyone from Bulgaria?
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of Facebook CI teachers' groups, but yeah, I mean it's just not my priority anymore, unfortunately. I'm so busy with work that right, right. I'm just picking up Bulgarian very, very slowly from being exposed yeah. to it when I leave the apartment. <laughs> when I'm not working,
0: yeah, me <laughs> yeah, as much as you can, but you know, given the circumstances of being uh, busy and so on, yeah,
1: yeah, and COVID didn't help. For two years, we almost didn't go out, and we had masks on. So, how can you understand what somebody is saying when you can't see their mouth?
0: Yeah, then you, did you not help. Go, you have to go online, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> during those times.
1: Yeah.
0: True. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to ask you because. You said when you moved to China you already spoke French, English, and Spanish. Mm-hmm. Th- so French and English are your native languages, right?
1: French is my first
0: language. Oh, only French. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you're from Quebec, I understand? Or
1: yeah. <laughs> <China>? <laughs> <laughs> it's a complicated question. Okay. I okay. was born in Quebec, but I grew up in a small province east of Quebec, New Brunswick. Okay. And it's it's the only bilingual province in Canada. And I grew up in a French-speaking part, very close to Quebec and close to the U.S. Maine.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when I was growing up, French was my only language. I learned English in school.
0: Right. And in in uh, at home it was French, I guess, right? But in in the streets, were you using English as well? Or? No, no, no.
1: It was completely French. I'm
0: French. Okay.
1: Edmundston is like 95. The whole region of Edmundston is 95 percent French. Okay. The English speakers, there are English speakers there, but they're separated. They live, they go to English schools. Mm-hmm. So growing up, there were no English speakers in my neighborhood, and my school was a French language school. Okay. Okay. So it's only in high school or maybe like middle school. But even then, middle school, there were two English classes or groups and like eight French groups.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we saw, okay, those are English speakers, but yeah, it's like the two solid tools, no interaction.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Right, so, so, so then basically you had to learn English just like any other language then,
1: right? I, yeah, I learned English as a second language in school <laughs> and it was not very effective to actually communicate in the real world. Right. So when I went on student exchanges, I was able to talk one-to-one with a person but if there was a group talking, I was lost because it was too fast and there was too much interaction. Yeah. So the the way I actually learned, like acquired English is there's two things. One, when I was 16, 17, I decided I wanted to be bilingual. So I started to read a lot and watch a lot of TV, which is getting CI, which I didn't know about at the time, obviously. Mm. But I had all these stupid romances, Harlequin romances that my aunt would give us. So they're stupid. It's always the same stupid love story. But you know it's stupid. So even if you don't understand, no problem. I understood maybe two words out of three. But I read them very fast. And I know I learned a lot of vocabulary that way. But the most important thing I did to understand was the TV shows that I enjoyed watching at the time, I started watching them in English instead Mm -hmm. of the dubbed... French version mm-hmm. I knew the characters I knew the interactions so it was easier to start to understand them in English so that was the first step when I was 16 seventeen. Second step I moved to Montreal so I moved from a bilingual province to a f- officially French province right. <laughs> to learn English not to learn English but that that's one thing that happened uh, I made a lot of friends who were not native French speakers some of them didn't speak French at all so English was our common language Mm. this was amazing because now i can analyze it with crash theory it just destroyed my effective filter i wanted to speak with my friends so there was no shyness no embarrassment about speaking english no worry am i gonna sound okay no they're my friends and i want to talk with them
0: right you were you, you were interested in communicating in, in the message right? yeah
1: mm. nobody was there to correct anybody else mm-hmm. so years of Speaking with some of my friends in English, and also years of living with English speaking roommates. Mm. that's the best,
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, sure. so
1: it's slow, but it's painless. There's no effort. It's just fun. You speak with your friends in English,
0: yep, yeah, same thing when you're when you're watching TV shows that you're interested in or listening yeah. to podcasts about topics that you're interested in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not going to happen overnight. We we, yep. we know that, but you're actually enjoying everything. Yep. I mean, that's what I do. Like all the languages that I'm getting exposed to uh, on a daily basis, I just, like I said, I listen to podcasts about topics that I'm interested in, hmm. with books, what series. So it's pretty much what, what I was already doing in, in Spanish, my own native language. Uh-huh. Own native language, right? In so other languages. It, it, I like to say that it doesn't really feel like learning. Yeah, but it is working. You know? so, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, the, it's the painless. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's painless. The, the The big effort you have to do is to find the content you're interested in and that works for you, and yeah. then just enjoy it.
0: Yeah, especially at the beginning when. Yeah, because once you get to intermediate point, there's so many more resources that yeah. you have access to, right? That are comprehensible. I mean, the beginning yeah. stages are always tougher because. Yeah, you need someone with that creates videos in a specific way, or you need an actual teacher, or you need a a language partner.
1: Yeah, that's that's so interesting because when I was at Langfest, the like polyglot conference in Montreal, I was curious. Like all these polyglots, they speak so many languages, and I asked a few of them, "How do you get started in language?" One showed me her assimil book. You use books <laughs> like yeah whatever works but they're so motivated to learn that whatever they use they will just eat it up they will learn it and then they will move on to getting content that they can understand right. so I, that's a couple of people i was just shocked like wow i assumed that you had the secret way of finding great ci it's like no whatever you can find but Keep at it, and soon enough, it's
0: right. But but what types of books?
1: One, I think she showed me that. I think it was assimil or one of those French series. Like she was a Quebecer.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I can't study with those books. Not anymore. I did
0: awesome. a long time like ago. Textbook style. Book. Yeah,
1: the re- or it's that's something between a textbook and a book. Okay. But. I mean, if you don't have access to anything else, it's okay.
0: Yeah, right. Use
1: whatever you can find. But yeah, ideally you would find a language partner, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, in those textbooks or Facebook, you do find some stories here and there. It's just, anything that resembles the traditional way. And, and it just, it just puts me off, you know? Like, I know. on guard, like, no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess it's really personal. Everybody is going to be different uh, because I see a lot of people, including several of my students, they do both. They get CI. They watch a lot of YouTube videos. Some watch TV series. They're getting some read. If they're advanced enough, they can read. But a lot of them also do language learning on the side. And my own partner, my boyfriend, that's what he does too. He uses other things. And that supports his acquisition because if he learns a word, it's like, okay, I'm never going to need that word. One day he's in a bakery and they have that weird bread with the weird name. Uh It's like, wow, I'll never forget. And I also know that word now, Kozunak. It's Easter bread in Bulgaria. Uh When he learned it, it's like, that's useless. Well, he knows it anyways because he had studied it, then he saw it, and that one time is strong enough that, okay, it's right. it clicks in your brain.
0: Right, but my theory is he, he actually learned it when he saw it on the bakery. Yeah. But many times we give that previous learning the credit because it's tangible, it's measurable. You know what I mean? Because okay, my, you my, think... My, he- like my fear with... Traditional learning is is gonna get in the way in the sense of it's gonna it's gonna make you focus on form and yeah. make you hesitate when you're about to speak and things of yeah. that nature. Yeah,
1: I can tell when one of my students has been working with the the pronominal verbs. Oh. Our next lesson, all the verbs are pronominal. It's like, yeah, it's making the monitor work too hard.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah, I feel that time would be better spent just enjoying a show or a video Uh, or reading something, but I mean, if somebody wants to learn grammar and they feel more secure doing that, it's kind of helping their effective filter, so let them do it.
0: Right, (laughs) but I I also have a feeling it's our adult attempt to control the process, right, which it sort of calms you down, but it doesn't mean that it's actually helping you. You know what I mean? course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you feel safer, it can help you in that regard. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend it personally. Yeah, myself. yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, because in that case, you were talking about like uh, Easter bread. Probably if when your boyfriend saw it in the bakery for the first time, it sort of rang a bell for him, mm-hmm. right? So, so he might think, because I learned it be- beforehand, once I saw it, I was able to acquire it, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the reason he acquired it was because he actually saw it.
2: Uh-huh.
0: But when you consciously learn it, it's easier to grasp, to measure. So, okay, yeah. so I've learned okay. this word. Of course, we all know what happens afterwards, right? Yeah,
1: you forget it unless right, you, re- right. you repeat. That's why they do spaced repetition. Mm-hmm. They know you'll forget it. You haven't actually acquired it. It's in your short-term memory. You have to keep at it. Give us money every day. Click every day.
0: <laughs> right, but the the one thing that actually helps you retain it, if, if you will, is that real-life context... Input, mm. you know, at the bakery with, um,
1: yeah, the whole context, people, emotions, ugly. sounds, exactly. noises, yeah,
0: the, the shape of the bread and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And how, how about your Spanish? How, how was that? How, how do you go about it?
1: That was, yeah, traditional learning. Uh, well, when I was a kid, we had a small book, Spanish through pictures. So I was like oh I want to learn Spanish but it was just a book with pictures and I was saying hombre because there's an h and in English you pronounce the h so I guess I assumed you pronounce the h in in Spanish. Uh, When I uh, was at McGill I decided to take Spanish and it was amazingly easy but it was a traditional course with textbooks and everything but A minority of us in the class were native French speakers and the others were English speakers. And I saw how much easier it is for the French speakers because it's much closer. Right. And I had straight A's in that class without any effort. I loved it. I enjoyed it so much, even though it was traditional learning. But I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't enjoy it anymore, I think. But at the time, it was fine for me. I did all the classes up to advanced, and then there was nothing else. And I did manage to also interact with friends in Montreal who were from Spanish speaking mm-hmm. countries. So that also made it a real world language, not just academic.
0: Right, so that, that, that's what I was thinking about, that because of the academics that you were mentioned, you were getting straight A's, but we all know that doesn't mean you're actually able to use the language, right? Mm-hmm. But it probably gave you enough for you to understand what was going on when you actually spoke to your friends or Spanish-speaking people, mm. which was the thing that actually helped you acquire the language. But again, we give the conscious learning the credit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah.
2: Because
0: <laughs> well, it, it was exactly the same thing with, for me with English. I've talked about it many times. But you know, in Spain, I, I studied English for 15 years through co- um, uh, primary school, high school, college. Hmm. and I could pass a grammar exam I I, I did pass English uh, all the courses but I just couldn't speak the language hmm. and it wasn't until I started watching the MBA in English that I actually acquired <laughs> and of course just like you I, I realized afterwards once I started reading crashing and so on I realized oh so that was the thing that actually helped me out right and all those years of traditional learning, at least they gave me enough for me to understand what, what was going on in, in, the, in the NBA games.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But that was the thing that actually helped me out because I was watching NBA games every day in English for several years. I still I still mm. do that, right?
2: Okay. okay.
0: But because comprehensible input is subconscious, right? Or language acquisition is subconscious, rather. It's hard to measure. Again, it's it's hard yeah. it's hard to say. So I, I've watched a series episode. I've learned this much, or I've gotten this much better. It, it's it's hard to measure. Yeah. But, but yeah. if you go to a traditional class, so today I've learned three new sentences. Yeah. So and you-
1: tomorrow I will have forgotten everything.
0: Of course, of course. But <laughs> and I will something.
1: feel stupid. I'll feel why am I not good at languages? Yeah it's the method that's not exactly. good it's not you
0: <laughs> yeah you, you leave that class and you feel like you've gotten this much better because you've learned three three new things that you can yeah. measure
1: and you do the test and it, wow I I can I pass I'm in the next level exactly until until either you manage to get some CI and you actually acquire the language or you just give up exactly. and feel like you can't learn languages
0: yep And I'm sure it's happened to you with Bruggerian. Like I, I, again, I've talked about it many times, but I perfectly remember the first time I came to Poland, I didn't know about CI and all the stuff Mm. yet. And, you know, the usual thing you do is you ask native speakers, how do you say this? How do you say that? And I, I vividly remember that. Mm. I don't remember what it was, but they told me and five minutes later, I've forgotten already. (laughs) Like five minutes, you know, not a month later or or even a week. No, no, five minutes. Hmm. And the crazy thing is, the same exact thing happened to everybody else. Like ten minutes later, I would ask another non-Polish speaker friend, Hmm. uh, "What was the word?" I forgot (laughs) Uh. what it is. So, did it happen to you with Bulgarian that they? they told you how to say a specific word i find- don't
1: ask i'm very shy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i probably don't look shy because my teacher personality is outgoing okay. <laughs> but i'm actually introverted and shy and i don't talk easily to people i prefer to just be alone and quiet and watch observe
2: mm-hmm.
1: and when we go to the stores or to the restaurant daniel speaks way better than me So he's the one doing all the interaction. I can understand what's going on, but I don't want to make the effort to speak because I don't feel that I've heard enough.
0: Right, right, right. To be able to Mm sit. Yeah, I mean. So
1: I will not ask people, how do you say this?
0: Yeah, no, no. What what, what I'm talking about is with like Polish speaking friends, not not a random person. Yeah, okay, okay. Yes, a Polish speaking friend with which we communicated in English at the time, Mm. but just out of curiosity, how do you say? You know, you're in a bar. How do you say beer in Polish?
1: It means nothing. Yeah.
0: I I mean, beer is easy, but beer is easy. But other words, like how do you say that in Polish? Okay. Good. Five minutes later. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But if you are in the bar or at the restaurant and you're actually ordering something, then it will probably help you remember it. And also, whatever they reply to you, that's a real life interaction.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah I don't remember what it was but mm. so I'll I, I be in a bar with my friends and ask them how do you say glass for example like a, a, you had the beer how do you say glass yeah. Now I know <laughs> but back then like 5 minutes later it was, it was <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> But anyway and h- how about your project your wandering French? um
1: my YouTube channel.
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah. I started that in 2018 when I was in Bangkok. I'm really a traveler.
2: Hi, goodness. Cool. You everyone?
1: Yeah. Because uh at the time I knew about uh Hugo's inner French channel, mm. and I think France Authentic was around, and there wasn't much else. I don't think Alice Ayel had started, or if she had, she was doing beginners videos. Okay, I don't remember. And I was just trying to find content for my students because I teach online, we do mostly conversation and I encourage them to listen and read as much stuff as they can. But Mm -hmm. there isn't much. So I thought I'll make some videos for my students and anyone else learning French. And my students at the time were mostly intermediate, like B1. So that's kind of the level I was at. Uh, And I've been doing several types of videos over the years. I started the Quebec French series a couple of years ago. But recently, I started the Beginners Quebec French series. And I'm really excited about that one. Mm. I think it's unique. It's either really, really smart or really, really stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's really, really smart. Okay. (laughs) Because it's a course for complete beginners. But beginners in Quebec French... And by that i mean spoken quebec french colloquial french so the the normal language that we speak the language that i speak my french so if you ask me if i'm uh Québécoise, i'm going to say yes yeah, quebecoise i'm not going to say je suis quebecoise mm-hmm. i will not say je suis quebecoise like the french i'll say je suis quebecoise mm-hmm. so in that series in the very first video I said that, je suis Québécois, je suis québécoise, je suis québécoise, je suis Québécoise. Je suis québécoise. Mm-hmm. And this is not something that people learn until they're at least B1 or B2 normally. Teachers want to teach them proper French, which is book French. Mm-hmm. They don't want to speak with books. They want to speak with real people. Right. People don't speak, most people don't speak like books.
2: Mm-hmm. So.
1: I decided to do it this way, I'm making it as easy and comprehensible as I can, but I model both ways, the kind of more standard way to say things and the way I actually say them.
0: Okay. Yes, yeah, so so, you have context or picture or whatever is necessary yeah, to help you with that, but you're using it the way you would use it um, yeah, in real world with your friends yeah. or your families. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And really, I have a friend in Montreal. She's been living in Montreal forever. She never managed to learn enough French because they kept testing her and putting her in the same level with the same stupid grammar books. Hmm. So she's comfortable with basic interactions, but she never got farther. This summer, I was telling her about my videos and about how like, you don't say the ne in the negation usually mm-hmm. in spoken French. She was like, what? <laughs> she never heard of that. No one, no, no, none of her teachers, and she was at several different schools, including universities, no one have ever mentioned that because that's not what teachers teach. Teachers,
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially for a language like French, which is very uh, norme, it has a lot of norms, mm-hmm. uh, the Academie Francaise, Office uh, Québécois de la langue française. So this is proper French, and the rest is not proper. Mm-hmm. So teachers don't want to teach not proper French.
0: Yeah, but that, that's, that specific one, nobody uses that in, in the real world.
1: With the ne, ne yeah. pas? Like,
0: yeah. Like nobody. <laughs>
1: no one that I know, that's for sure. Yeah, right?
0: nobody. Like all the French people, French-speaking people I've met, nobody uses ne. Nah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nobody says je ne veux pas, je veux pas.
1: Yeah, yeah. it would sound so weird. <laughs> yeah, it
0: is. Yeah, I get
1: But the fact that it's not taught, that's when this type of thing is the main reason, I think, that people learn French for many years, even if they're in immersion, they might be in Montreal, and they're like, I can't understand people, because the teacher is teaching them French with the usual methods, with the books, they're teaching proper French. It happened a few years ago, I was teaching immigrants uh, in the francisation, classes at Université de Montréal, but for the government. Then when they finish the highest level, right, you go to, you go work, you're ready for the job market. A few weeks later, they come back, I can't understand what people are saying to me. Ah, Yeah, we use Grammar Progressive du Français and a lot of nice speaking activities and projects, but there's not enough time to teach proper French, real official French And also the way it's actually used because it's two different things Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and people are not trained to do that and they're kind of embarrassed to do that. So the result is you're finished, you've done the most advanced classes and you still cannot understand the people in Montreal. Right.
0: Yeah, because you, you 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 listen to to a sentence and and they're, they're wondering where's the ne? Where's the yeah? Where <laughs> it's it's
1: way it's too short. I don't know. There's too many contractions. Like yeah, these are normal contractions, and it's not just Quebec. Like you said, the French also don't say ne.
2: Right.
1: J'aime j'aime pas. Yep. So I did that in the first video. J'aime j'aime pas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody says j'aime pas. No one that I know. No one that I, I want know. to talk to. They sound too formal if they speak like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so i would not feel very comfortable being friends i would i can't imagine being comfortable with somebody who would speak like that mm-hmm. uh, for many different sociolinguistics uh, reasons the yeah. <laughs> linguistic insecurity and glottophobia and we judge people based on the way they speak we judge ourselves based it's complicated right
0: yeah but it, it's just not natural. That's it. yeah, it's just it's not the way people communicate yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: and yeah. you you can accomplish that by I mean <laughs> even if you're a private students, you can have conversations with them or you can create a story in which the characters in the story have conversations with one another and speak the way you would speak in yeah. in, in, in real life. There's so mm-hmm. many ways to do it, right?
1: Yeah you create stories with your students I do. Mm-hmm.
0: so yeah I do for the most part I also play board games sometimes for example or mm-hmm. or I, I like I said or I, I depending on the level of course I show them pictures of, if, if I know they're interested in traveling I might show them some pictures of my travels and speak mm-hmm. about my experience and so on yeah
2: that's
0: nice. at the end of the day or sometimes I do have conversations well just pure conversations in which I know I need to do most of the talking because that's what I need in order to get better, right? But mm-hmm. if they're comfortable Im- enough or they're intermediate level, they can they can already communicate in, in a certain way. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I do stories, mm-hmm. but um, besides the weird crazy details, you wouldn't you wouldn't tell it's not an actual conversation. Mm -hmm. And that is, is, I'm not circling or asking questions uh, like, you know, is it green or purple? Uh, Is he eating or drinking? You know, I ask, I do ask questions but to keep the the story going and, you know Mm -hmm. so it's all about meaning, about the message Mm -hmm. and and we create like crazy, complex story from an intellectual point of view, Mm right? So it's more interesting for adults, obviously, to yeah. fun while they're learning the language, mm-hmm. and and like I said, the characters in the story can have conversations. With, so we have all sorts of different situations, not just mm-hmm. uh, like a person narrating the story, but also, like I said, dialogues, conversations mm-hmm. between characters, and yeah.
1: And do you type up the story afterwards?
0: I actually um, with my beginners, uh, I, and I started to type it at the same time, not long ago. So Mm -hmm. I'm telling the story, but I'm typing it at the same time with, which helps them. Right. Many Mm -hmm. it helps them understand some words that they might not be able to understand Mm -hmm. otherwise, also they, they give, it gives them like writing uh, practice. Yeah. And I don't need to remember the story at the end. <laughs> that helps as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like because I've been writing it down. It's already there. So I, I don't need to yeah. spend 10, 15 minutes remembering everything we talked about after the class. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect.
1: Yeah. I did try that for a little while. And I was also recording the story afterwards for them to be able to listen yeah, to. The I do story. that as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's nice. But yeah. It's nice, it works, but it's not my personal preferred way of teaching now. So I haven't been doing it for a little while.
0: Right. Yeah, but then, like I said, you can always um, adapt it to your your style, to the way you Mm -hmm. communicate, because a similar thing happened to me at the beginning, because when I started with teaching and CI and so on and stories, most of the experience I had, most of the videos I watched, were classroom type of videos with yeah. kids. Yeah. So they're different. There's a lot of antics and, you know.
1: And, and it, there's a lot more energy because you have a whole group and they're in person. They're not-
0: Yeah, and kids. they kids. They, <laughs> they're, they're more active and they can't sit straight for an hour like an adult and things of that mm. nature. Mm. So over time, I, I started to adapt it to to adults online, to the way I communicate, mm-hmm. to the type of stories I want to tell. Also, I try to include game-like um, features, if I can, mm-hmm. like for example, when I ask a question about a new detail that we're coming up with to keep creating the story, instead of just asking the question, sometimes I ask the question and we come up with four different options. To, to to keep the story going forward and then we roll a die. <laughs> okay. And you know, whatever the outcome, we go with that option. So there's a lot of um, improvising mm-hmm. as well. And you know, so I mm-hmm. I, I, I like that. It's mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah.
1: And those are for, for private lessons. Yeah. For the groups private.
0: Well no no both. But I mean like both private okay. lessons, but my group lessons are like three, four, five people max. I don't yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's online, I don't want to have 15 people in a class, of course. Yeah. But I found like three, four, five is, yeah. the experience is no different from a private class, actually. Mm. I mean, obviously, you need to have them at a similar level when you mm-hmm. study, right? Approximately the same level, but.
2: Okay.
0: yeah. And mm-hmm. how about your, the languages that you're looking to learn now? Are you looking to? <laughs> you You don't have time for that at all, like you said? Well,
1: not really. I mean, last week I took out one of my little Bulgarian phrase books and I was reading it. And then the next day we went to a Korean restaurant and then I wanted to ask a question in Korean, like, are there many Koreans in Sofia? And I was trying to form the question in my head and there were a few words of Korean, a lot of Chinese and a few words of Bulgarian. I thought it's hopeless i can't create this and because it's been so long since i spoke korean and i was speaking chinese this summer at the workshop in ajin because there was a language lab and i was the assistant in the lab so i had a whole week of hearing a lot of a lot of chinese and speaking it a bit also so i i love actually i would like to get back into learning chinese nice
0: Okay. okay because it's
1: I enjoyed learning it because of what I explained. It was enjoyable. It was effortless. And I even ended up learning characters. When I decided that either I was going to pick it up naturally by living there or not at all, it was okay. But I thought, I'm not going to learn to read and write. That's way too difficult. Mm -hmm. But over three years in Shanghai, I learned a few hundred characters. I was able to order, there is one uh, type of restaurant, the hot pot, where you have a tiny piece of paper with all the ingredients you can get for your hot pot. And I could order everything that I wanted, except for the meat, that was too complicated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Yeah, I'm just curious, because I've talked about this with several people on the podcast, but how do you learn the characters?
1: Just by exposure. I mean, I could not write a Chinese character to save my life. I tried once, even Zhong, like a middle, like Zhong Guo is China. It's like, I think it's a square with a line in the middle, but I don't know. <laughs> I've never learned that. But if I see it, I know that's what it is. So they're like pictures. And that's what, uh, I think that's Terry Waltz, awesome Chinese teacher. I think she invented co invented cold character reading. And from what I understood this summer, we were talking about it. It's just once students have acquired a word, if they see it in writing, they will acquire it. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. So we only had one week of language lab. So not enough time to see if that was going to work. But this last or second last day, the Yi Yi, the Chinese teacher, was actually showing them the Chinese characters.
0: Right. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I remember. So I went to Ajan five, oh. five and six years ago, like 2016, 2017. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And the second year, oh. the second time I went there, that's
1: how you know all these awesome people you've been interviewing. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah. like,
0: <laughs> not not all of them, but many of them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, the second the second time I went there, I I was a student in the Chinese lab.
1: Uh-huh. So, it was Diane at the Diane, time, yeah. Okay.
0: Which I, I had that on the pod, had her on the podcast as well. And I remember we so we created a story, like a simple one with super uh, not Superman, Spider-Man and things like mm. that. And then at the end of it, we, we we read it. And she she used like different colors from different for different words. Mm. Uh, we read the story and we had the picture of Spider-Man. And then, ah. so Spider-Man is blah, blah, blah. And we had different colors for different kinds. So, so, and that we also read it. That Yeah, I don't exactly remember the way she went about it, but I think she read it first. So we knew the story already just from listening. Mm-hmm. And then it was written down and she go like, Spider-Man is blah, blah, okay. blah. Okay. So we yeah. would recognize Okay, so that's Spider-Man, that's...
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And also I have my experience with Russian. Again, it's different, I've talked about it as well, but um, so it's a different alphabet. It's not that different, like the Chinese characters, of course, so it's, but...
1: It's an alphabet, it's not yeah, 2,000 right, right. characters.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> but I remember watching um some of the videos by Ina, Comprehensible Russian Channel, And in some of them, she had a a map of Europe with the names in Russian. Mm. And without even paying attention, I I would start to Ah. realize that there were patterns there. Like, okay, so this first letter in France is sort of a circle with a stick, which happens to be the the first letter in Finland as well. Uh right? And she would use France. She would say the the words in, in Russian as well. So it was like all the different ideas to to make the connection.
2: Yeah.
0: And I can perfectly read in Russian right now, meaning that I understand the word that is written. It doesn't mean that I understand everything. I, I'm not there yet. But I, I can I can read it, I can read it all. Mm. You know, so I I recognize the letters the that this is the word. You know, I'm I might be able to read the word and don't know what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I mean it's I've sort of figured out the the alphabet already without having to consciously study, which is the main point of everything I wanted to to say. Yeah.
1: And have you been exposed to the cursive alphabet?
0: In Russian? I mean, there's like, or like, it's all like, like uppercase, lowercase as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's. That's not too bad. I know the alphabet is similar to Bulgarian, but mm-hmm. the handwritten, like the ones you will have on the menu. Right. At first, it was like, wow, we'll never read that because it's the the cursive writing. Right. Now we're fine with it, but okay. it took a couple years of <laughs> exposure.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, in Russian, for what I've seen, I've seen difference between the uppercase and lowercase mm-hmm. in, in some words. In some letters, yeah, you spell.
2: yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, it's like I've been, I've had to sort of double learn that, if you will. Yeah. But mm. no, I've I've been exposed to the written language through videos and like simple comic books, things like that. Okay. I I no, I don't remember coming across a cursive, so. Okay. That's not been <laughs> an issue. <laughs> uh
1: huh. And in Poland, they use the Latin alphabet, yeah,
0: right? Yeah, oh. uh, I mean, there's a couple of letters with funny symbols on them, okay. Okay. <laughs> but okay. it's still the Latin alphabet. Yeah. Okay. Right. So there's like an A with um, with an oh a with, yeah 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 with a tell that you pronounce all, Wow. or okay. an E with an you know, but okay. or there's an L sort of with a diagonal stick to it.
1: Oh yeah, I remember.
0: Seeing. But the rest of them is Latin alphabet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's not the hardest part with Polish, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. All right. All so right. sorry,
1: we've been sidetracking a lot. So I didn't really answer <laughs> your uh, questions.
0: <laughs> no, no. I mean, we we just the idea is to talk about our experiences, mm-hmm. uh, how we learn the languages that are, that mm-hmm. we already speak how mm-hmm. we go about language acquisition, mm-hmm. language teaching as well, what we think is helpful for us as students student and for our students. Yeah. So as, as teachers. Mm-hmm.
1: There's one thing I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, around 2000, I had my language exchange club in Montreal, which was awesome. And I started that partly because... People were always saying, I don't, I've been taking French lessons, but I don't get enough practice speaking, Mm -hmm. which is what people still are saying. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna give them a chance to practice. And then we created this language exchange club, which was awesome. There were just conversation, like many different ways of doing conversation, but with no grammar whatsoever, because nobody in there is a language teacher. It was amazing. Uh, and they learned a lot very fast they even make friends i had a couple marriages from (laughs)
2: people meeting
1: at the club so no effective filter the the effective filter came down very fast Mm -hmm. one of my students told me i was doing a surveys like evaluations to know how things were going and one said this is amazing uh I I was not able to speak English in Montreal before because I felt like a traitor because Montreal is supposed to be French. Mm -hmm. And if you're speaking English, what are you doing? But then the fact that there were English speakers wanting to learn French balanced it out for her. Mm And the fact that the atmosphere was nice and people became friends very fast, that's the best way to learn because you want to talk with people. So what I want to say is I created this because people said they wanted more practice speaking. And after understanding or finding Krashen's theory, I realized that what they need is practice listening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's what they got because we would do activities half an hour Everybody in French, half an hour, everybody in English. Maybe nowadays I would try the crosstalk approach, mm-hmm. but I didn't know about it at the time. Mm-hmm. So the time we were in English, the English speakers had to speak in a way that the French speakers would understand. And if they did it, it was their job to say, I didn't get that, but in English and try to explain, not just translate, just try to explain and understand what it means. So they got awesome practice from Listening, a native English speaker from people from many different countries, so different accents. Mm-hmm. So this is what I realized I gave them. But I think people also need to practice speaking at some point because it feels that's what my students have been telling me and understand. They're getting a lot of CI. They get a lot of listening. They do some reading. But once a week, they want to practice speaking. They've been receiving all this input. And the reason they learn French is because they want to speak it with people. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. (laughs) Once a week, we speak together. And I'm their language parent. I speak at their level. I write things in a Google Doc. But the fact that they're able to express themselves better and better, that helps them. It motivates them. And it helps lower the effective filter, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. It doesn't technically help them uh, in that much, proof, yeah. but it, it's it's really important from the motivation standpoint, because you feel yeah. like, oh, so I'm actually able to communicate, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, because I'm they to want to. Yeah.
1: I mean, I understand. I mean, if I was making a big effort to learn Bulgarian, I would want to go out every day and practice what I've been learning. And one thing also about correction. Uh <laughs> I have very strong opinions about error correction. For Mm -hmm. the vast majority of people, correcting errors will not help you, Mm -hmm. even though you think it will help you. Mm -hmm. And if you're like me, it will just kill your desire to learn Mm -hmm. the language. So one time I was here in Sofia a couple of years ago, and I wanted to ask for two little cans of beer. That's what people do. They ask for two beers and they go sit in the park. Mm -hmm. So I asked it, I said the way dve or dva, there's two words for two, and biri or bira when it's singular, when it's plural. I don't know which one I said. The woman, the girl just looked at me and she repeated it exactly the other way. So I had it completely wrong. Yeah, two beers like, okay, one, I'm never buying anything from you anymore. Mm -hmm. Two, I will not make the effort to speak anymore. It's just, it's discouraging.
0: Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I, I, I've been, I've been, I'm trying to pump that in people's head. <laughs> but but that's that to, to that extreme example of not wanting to come back to that to the store again, which well, I-
1: I'm kind of joking a bit, but I mean it, it really killed my desire to make an effort to speak because oh. that, that's kind of the attitude here. People want to help you learn so they will correct you. And depending on your personality, it may or may not help. It helps my partner. Daniel likes it because he's not learning with books. He's mostly learning by interacting with people. So the first time he asked for a long espresso, he used the word that he thought was correct. And the customer behind him said, we actually call it this way. It's like, wow, thank you. And he's happy. And now he can use the normal way that everybody uses. So for him, that works. For me, it doesn't work.
0: Right. But, yeah, I mean I, i'm on your side, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. but
1: sensitive ego <laughs> you know, but
0: my, my theory is for some people, it just kills them, like you said, okay. for others, they might think it helps them, but I think it doesn't, and let me explain for your husband uh, hus- for your boyfriend, Arthur,
2: for example, yeah
0: uh he might up? Think, <laughs> he might think that was the thing that helped that helped him mm-hmm. um produce it the right way afterwards mm-hmm. but i argue the reason why he's able to produce it correctly now most of the time in 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 in, in real time is because he's listened to it many times true no yeah one, makes sense because <laughs> If 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 you look at it, most of the times I mean in 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 his case he didn't know right, but most of the times you make a grammar mistake, you already knew the 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 correct form yourself. Yeah. But it didn't prevent you from actually making that mistake. If you you've
1: learned, learned it. it, yeah. If yeah, you've yeah. learned it, so.
0: Exactly. Yeah, but even if you haven't, the way to actually acquire that is to listen to it, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. what I mean is after especially after traditional classes, of course, but you consciously know the wrong. but then when you actually want to use it- You, you don't
1: have time. the Wrong way, yeah. because you don't yeah. have
0: time to think yeah. about it. And people want to correct you, but what I'm saying is most of the times you already know what the right way yeah. what the right way to say it is. So- And if you
1: had time, you would say it-
0: Exactly. Correctly. You, yourself, you realize like a second later, you realize you made that mistake. But mm. that didn't prevent you from making it. And, yeah, and and then the worst part is what you just mentioned. That like, some how, people
1: will get the you, feel? It, yeah, yeah. you,
0: you yeah. become afraid of speaking, even, yeah. even if subconsciously, because for some mm. people like you, it happens to me as well. It's it's obvious. Yeah, mm. I, I can feel that I don't want to communicate as much as I wanted to before. Mm. But for other people, they might think it doesn't affect them. But on some subconscious level, it does. I'm I'm convinced <laughs> it does. Mm, mm, mm. But I so, didn't take it a step further and say that it doesn't help anybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the way I've always corrected my students from a long, long time ago, and even now I'll do it sometimes, but less and less. Mm-hmm. But the only way that I find acceptable is to gently repeat it correctly after they've said it. But not making it obvious, like if he says uh, a big coffee, a long espresso, you want a long espresso, the way that your parent would talk to you when you're asking for something. So just clarification. And what I've noticed is if they're ready, like if it's something that they don't quite know, but they're ready to know it, ready to learn it, they will pick up on it. And if they're not, it will fly right over their head and I will not insist. But if they get it, like, oh, yeah, I remember learning that, I'll write it in the Google Doc if it's mm-hmm. like a grammar thing. Yeah. And then they can go back and look at it. And, oh, yeah, I remember learning that. Because for a lot of people, whether whether or not they're right, they feel that it helps them learn or acquire the language. So I'm there to support them in whatever they feel right. They, right. that works for them. But still, I will always encourage everyone to get a lot of content
0: yeah yeah. because what i try to do is the same thing i try to repeat it correctly myself yeah but in a different subtly Subtly. yeah but if i if if i can like two minutes later so so they don't Uh... so they don't consciously think about it you know what i mean okay yeah yeah to the right way but not because if you tell them five seconds later don't know, and they notice <laughs> okay, but Well, you're not actually correcting directly, <laughs> so you're helping them because <laughs> they are listening to the right way in context,
1: right? yeah,
0: because you use it within the context of the conversation, not j- yeah. not just wrong, you know <laughs> yeah, 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 but as I, I mean, as much as I can, I try to use it so they acquire it, but without them realizing that, and yeah. That I'm that I'm correcting them, Yeah,
1: happens. yeah. Or it, it's more like modeling because sometimes, like I can tell, they're not quite sure how to pronounce something, and then I'll just sometimes I'll just say it for them, like yeah, okay, because uh, they're struggling. What's the pronunciation? Mm-hmm. And then if I can, I'll just reuse it a couple times in the. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: because then many times, like you said. If if there's something they're ready to acquire or they're on the on the on the verge of acquiring it, mm. you're probably gonna use it naturally mm. as you speak, you know, yeah. naturally yeah. you're gonna use the most common expressions or words and so on. Yeah. And if they're mm. not ready for it, you can tell them a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if they if st- if they're not there yet, mm. they might need a hundred more times mm-hmm. to listen to mm. that word, right? So it, they'll just get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Patience.
0: Patience. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I find it really important to, to tell them and myself when I'm learning a language that you you can say what you can say at a specific moment. Mm. It sounds pretty obvious, but <laughs> I think it's not. What, what I mean by that is, or you can understand what you can understand. Yeah. What I mean by that is, there's no shortcut, there's no hack that's gonna take you from understanding this much to that much in, in an hour or mm. with a flashcard. You know what mm, I mean? Mm,
2: mm, yeah.
0: It is, you can. So you can communicate at this level. It is what it is.
2: Mm.
0: No, it doesn't mean it's not working. It doesn't mean you're not good at languages. It doesn't mean, you know what I mean?
1: That's where you're at.
0: <laughs> I understand the frustration because our ultimate goal is to be able to communicate in the language. I get that. I feel that myself, of course. But if I can communicate at this level, it means I can communicate at this level. It doesn't mean I should be here. Mm-hmm. I'm here. So even if I should even if it's real that I should be here, which I don't think it is, there's no point mm-hmm. <laughs> in dwelling, right? Mm-hmm. That, that helps me a lot. Like, okay, I, I'd love to communicate more fluidly, more fluently, but mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. I, I'll get there later. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay.
1: All right. Are you going back to Algen one of these summers? Uh, yes.
0: the Agen
1: workshop. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you're I, in Europe.
0: <laughs> I am, I am, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I
1: plan on going every single summer.
0: Right. It's it's <laughs> um it's funny because it's perspective plays a role here as well. And let me explain what I mean because <laughs> so you're you're Canadian, right? So now that you're in Europe it's it's to you it seems like it's just down the road right <laughs> but the the two years i went to ajan, i was i wasn't actually in spain in my hometown mm. which is in the centre north of spain okay and Ajan is in the south of france yeah that's right? so far so it was like a 5 6 hour drive which is super close but now i'm in poland
2: you so can fly Pol- <laughs> i know i don't know
0: but it's Completely psychological, yeah. but I can. I mean, I can fly to Bordeaux, I guess. You know, yeah. I fly
1: into Toulouse, but Bordeaux is more expensive. So so far, I've been flying into Toulouse. Toulouse, I love Toulouse, but I want to visit Bordeaux. But anyway, but you know, there is a group of Spanish teachers who started a small conference in Spain this year.
0: uh they've already done it.
1: Yeah, this year was there is a small group that started a conference in Germany and. There's one in Amst- near Amsterdam. In yeah, I knew the- that one.
0: And I, I think that's not the- new. I knew about the German and the Dutch one. but, but the one there's- very- I
1: think in Huerta. I don't remember what it's called, but I'll find it for you.
0: And do you know who it is or who's organizing it? I'm
1: not very good with names and
0: faces. Okay.
1: <laughs> I-, I know the faces, but I don't remember the names, Okay. actually. No worries. I don't want to say names, and it's not them, but I'll find no, it for you.
0: You can send me an email in the worst. perfect.
1: I think it's in Huerta, so that's kind of north centered Huerta. I think is that a city in Spain? <laughs> I mean, it's it, not acquired.
0: It, it's not. It's not a famous city. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a city called Huerta. It, probably, yeah.
1: I'm not sure that's where it's happening. So. (laughs)
0: no worries no worries i look it up or or i'll ask you in an email
1: but yeah anyone who is in europe has access to new conferences also in other countries and the big conferences are in the u.s Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's also online training
2: yeah yeah
1: it's an amazing network of teachers who use ci approaches because it works and then they want to help other teachers use them it's amazing Mm -hmm. they're Lovely. You went
0: there this year for the first time or?
1: Uh, the second time. Last year was my first time.
0: Okay. Last year was online, wasn't it?
1: No, it was in person with I masks and small groups. I was
0: 2020. Yeah, sure. Uh,
1: yeah. So 2020 Fine. was online. Yeah.
0: It was online. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, I didn't go in 2020 because I wanted to go in person for mm-hmm. the whole experience. Like they said, the long lunch hour where you have time to meet people and absolutely have conversations that go beyond what you did in the mm-hmm. labs or presentations yeah
0: yeah from and from a technical standpoint especially the first year it really helped me like mm-hmm. put, put the pieces together because 2016 when i went there for the first time i hadn't started teaching yet uh-huh. i read a lot of books about was crashing watched a lot of videos but it really helped me mm. put the th- pieces together understand why we're doing what we're doing what we need to do in order to help our students and so on mm.
1: which language lab oh you did the chinese
0: and that second first year i, I did <laughs> french because i didn't speak french the okay
1: time. yeah it's amazing to be a student in a language you don't know and in less than a week <laughs> the language is in your brain mm-hmm. it's yeah. absolutely who was the french teacher when you did it sabrina Sabrina okay that's how you know her.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've
1: never met her in person but yeah she looks amazing. I've seen demos and Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. I suppose everyone who's uh, listening to your podcast knows about CI and all these approaches but yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to stop talking about it until yeah. we make it as mainstream as possible. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm just very frustrated with the fact that it's hard to find CI-based classes anywhere. If you're not in the school system, especially in the U.S., I think that's where most are. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot in different countries in Europe, some in Canada, but not that much, I think. Mm -hmm. If you're not in the school system and you're lucky enough to have a CI teacher, how are you going to get CI classes?
0: Well, I mean, uh, re- I mean, recently, in, in the last few years, I've learned to uh, uh, this is not about languages this is in general, but I, I use it with languages. I- I- I've i learned to sort of I'm going to get this talk here, like control what you can control or you know what I mean? So yeah. or do what you can, you know, to change that. So back to to the language change thing that I was talking about. So you'd love to learn mm. Swahili. And you don't know if anyone teaching Swahili, right? So let me just try to find someone from, you know, Ethiopia, Tanzania, Somalia, who speaks the language and for some reason is interested in, in learning Spanish
2: Mm-mm-mm.
0: and educate them on how it goes.
2: Yeah.
0: Because, you know, I can wish for someone to just pop up and start teaching. I mean, I'm using Swahili. I'm not interested in that right now. But <laughs> what I mean by that is what can I do to actually get it done, you know? Mm -hmm. and this is like you know stoicism and (laughs) it it doesn't have to do with uh, well it has to
1: do with everything yeah of course it applies to anything yeah
0: exactly but yeah
1: Hmm. cool yeah so make it happen if you want it try to make it happen and if you can't you can't
0: yeah because we have the internet now you can actually reach out to pretty much anybody on earth which is amazing if you think about it
1: yeah And Swahili is a big language. (laughs) A few years ago, I was uh, interested in helping to volunteer with uh, refugees in Drummondville, the small town where my mom lives in Quebec. Mm. And uh, I was paired with a young family from Congo, but they basically grew up in a refugee camp. And Swahili was the common language. And he had a thumb drive with... Uh, game of thrones dubbed in swahili nice <laughs> like wow he lived his whole life in a refugee camp but he also saw game of thrones dubbed in his language the world is so small
0: <laughs> How that? Yep. Except. but yeah
1: swahili is spoken in a lot of languages yeah there's so many languages to learn but yeah
0: yeah which is the first example that came to mind I'm
1: energy yeah anyways I should go because it's, is it later for you or for me? What time you, is it?
0: For you, it's for you.
1: Ah. So
0: it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I'm an hour behind you, yeah. OK. All right. Oh, yeah, um,
1: we're kind of more east.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was it was a pleasure, uh, Ellen. Yeah.
1: yeah, immense pleasure talking with you. <laughs>
0: and well, I, we mentioned it, and I, I leave the links down below. But Wondering French is your project, your YouTube channel, right? Mm. Yeah. And yeah, if you're pricing on Instagram or any other um platforms, you you can you can send me all yeah. the link okay. I'll list them down below. Yeah,
1: mostly Patreon people who want one video every day. Nice they pay five dollars a month, five euros a month, and they get one video in their inbox every weekday. Perfect with subtitles. It's a lot of work. That's why I don't have time to learn Bulgarian.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just want... Yeah. Uh, Send me an email with the yeah. link you want me to to list. Share, okay. Oh, okay, thanks. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so, well, yeah, thank you so much again, and I'll yeah I'll see you around.
1: My pleasure. Yeah, see mm-hmm. you around. <laughs>
0: Bye. Goodbye. Thanks so much for watching this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful for you. And, uh, if you want to know more about language learning, language acquisition, like, you know, what's, what's the best way to learn a language ideas for language learning, uh, the best resources at different levels here, you can find the whole playlist with all the interviews I've done so far with different researchers, teachers, polyglots and so on. And finally, right here, you smash this guy right in the face to subscribe to my channel. I really appreciate it, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.